Welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm Brenna. And our show is created on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumloops Tay-Swetmik territory within the unceded traditional lands of Swetmagulu. And today's film, She's All That, is set in Los Angeles, the traditional home of the Tongva and Keech peoples. And we have a guest today, Joe. We do indeed. It's my good friend, Lindsay Travs. How you doing, Linz? I am good. I'm very thrilled to be here to chat about this movie. Yes, this is a staple of late 90s YA films. And of course, that means that Brenna, you had not seen this before, right? (laughs) No, I had never seen this before. And I (laughs) had to sort of chip through a wall of disappointment because I thought that we were watching She's the Man, which I have Mm. seen and really love. And then I was mad at Joe that there was no Amanda Bynes in this movie. (laughs) Yes, I definitely got some texts from Brenna being like, where's Amanda Bynes? (laughs) Oh, was this not the soccer movie? Oh, I'm disappointed. Very funny. Very funny to me. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like these generic titles, it's a problem for a lot of YA, right? It is. It is. And definitely, you know, Joe Joe jokes at my sort of cultural absences. I don't know why I haven't seen any of these movies. I was watching a lot of YA TV in the 90s. I'm 100% up to date on your Dawson's Creeks and your Felicities. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that this whole era of film completely passed me by for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> this is when I was going to the theater all of the time. So I... I'm pretty sure I've seen every teen movie that came out in this time period. But um, in case folks have not seen, she's all that in a while. Yes, it is a film from 1999. It is directed by Robert Iscove, and it was written by R. Lee Fleming slash M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, It's a bit of a contested piece where it's like, who actually wrote it, who ghost wrote it, and so on. So this film has a budget of seven to ten million dollars, and it grossed a hundred and three million dollars worldwide. So, in case you were wondering why they made so many teen films in the late nineties, <laughs> it's because movies like this just made box office cash like so so much. It feels like once every ten to twelve years, Hollywood remembers that teenagers have a lot of money, and we get like an explosion. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think when you look back on this film. People just zero in on this cast. Um, you know, we've got Pretty Prince Jr., we've got Rachel Lee Cook, we've got Paul Walker. All right. Sorry, can we just rewind to noted Ugmo Rachel Lee Cook? Oh my god, <laughs> she's so hideous. She's so <laughs> ugly. It's so obvious <laughs> that she's just tragic looking. <laughs> oh my gosh. I remember when this film came out, the number of people who zeroed in on the scene where Paul Walker is picking a woman mm. that Zach, the Freddie Prince Jr. character, will have to make over into a prom queen. And there's all of these candidates. And of course, we're using very un-PC language because it's 1999. And he then zeroes in on Rachel Lee Cook's character, who is just covered in paint. 
And it's like, ah. And they all go, ew. Yeah. No, it's the way Freddie Prince Jr. is like, weenie bogs. Because it's like, <laughs> everyone else, he's like, oh, no, maybe. I don't know if I can do it. And then it's like, Lainey Boggs, no, the bet's wrong. I couldn't possibly, that that would be impossible. Yeah, anyone but her, even the girl with the weird boobs I can work with, but not this skinny, conventionally attractive brunette who has a rock and bod under her paint-covered overalls. The Bobos on Super Freak. Listen, I did not need to rewatch this to be ready to have this conversation. <laughs> you have it locked into your memory. It it's amazing. seared into my memory forever. So also in the cast, we have Jodie Lynn O'Keefe. We've got Eldon Henson as Lainey's best friend, Jesse. Where has Eldon Henson gone to? He popped into Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Okay. Okay. Good to hear he's still working. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Kieran Culkin as Lainey's brother, Simon, Anna Paquin as Zach's sister, Mac, and of course, Matthew Lillard as reality TV star, Brock Hudson. What kind of name is that? I never picked up that this is obviously a play on Rock Hudson. Correct. Yeah. I can tell you what Matthew Lillard's doing now because I looked it up last night. Yes, Brenna was aghast that apparently Matthew Lillard is doing extreme amounts of voiceover work. He's made 25 Scooby-Doo movies. That's not an exaggeration. I counted. 25. I didn't know there were 25 Scooby-Doo movies. Oh my god, Brenna. If Trace ever heard you say that, he would die in shame. Because yes, they make Scooby-Doo movies like five times a year. Every year. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's what separates Brenna from Trace. <laughs> that one thing. That one thing. That's just the one thing. Yes. Uh, we should also note that the dance sequences in the film were choreographed by one Adam Shankman, who would go on to direct things like Hairspray. Yeah. Because this was also the era where every teen movie had to have a choreographed dance number, preferably set to Fat Boy Slim music. My favorite part of the movie is when Usher, who is DJing the dance, says... His character's name is DJ. <laughs> he okay. says... He says, um, okay, now everybody do that dance I taught you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, he taught it to them real quick. First of all, in my opinion, the two best dance... Like, both of the dance scenes in this movie are the two best dance scenes in, like, 90s yes, movie history. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. They're the best. Also, the whole Usher being named DJ. Like, if you notice, like, Usher never came to set. He, um, all of his scenes... <laughs> You kind of don't notice it because it was like the 90s when you first watched it kind of thing. But he like doesn't interact with anyone in the cast. He nope. literally like is in a booth mm -hmm. <laughs> and did like, <laughs> and like blew through his scenes by himself. He was like, I don't show up. I'm not sure. It might yeah. as well have been voiceover work, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like everyone kind of remembers him in the um, like that like rap scene. Like you kind of think like, no, I think he's there in the school during that. But no, he's not. No, they just like cut to him. Absolutely not. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and of course, because this is a late 90s film, we also have no idea what to do with our black characters. So in addition to Usher, we also have little Kim in a completely thankless role. Yeah. It's just like, oh, okay. So we hadn't figured out that people other than white exist in the world, and specifically in, like, California, in Los Angeles. One of the mean friends is, well, Gabriel... Yes, we have Gabrielle Union, who, Brenna, you should have recognized from Bring It On. She's the other cheerleader that goes head-to-head -head with Kirsten Dunst. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, this is like a big time for her. She was like in two of like the movies at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you've got Preston, who doesn't, you know, get a ton to do. No, no. It's disappointing. I mean, to the point where uh, I was telling Brenna that I find it difficult to watch this movie without thinking of all the jokes in not another teen movie, because this is the prime film that they make fun of in that parody. And the joke with the Preston character, who is played by Dulé Hill, all of that character does is like, say things like, that's whack. And I'm the black character who just comes in and says like, bing bong. It is a shame because as a devoted 90s kid, uh, I loved West Wing. And so any Dooley Hill mm-hmm. sighting is like a good moment and then they don't do anything with him. Oh, yeah. I think this is one of those reasons why when people see what he's capable of delivering on the West Wing and then you see the kinds of roles that he had beforehand, you just think, oh, people just like do not know what to do with talented people of color. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's temporally indicative of this movie is like just the it's not even casual fat phobia it's just like just straight up oh like mm-hmm. near constant shrieking <laughs> like yeah and it, it's wild to me i actually texted joe at one point and i was like so i can't tell whether the best friend is 90s archetype queer coded best friend or 90s archetype non-threatening fat basically asexual character like or Mm -hmm. baby as joe pointed out probably both um but yeah and even the first time you meet jesse is that his name the first time you meet him rachel lee cook is telling him to lose 10 pounds before graduation that's like the first time you meet him like constant comments about what he's eating constant Mm -hmm. he never gets to eat anything without someone passing comment and also he is always eating because of course he is because of course he's eating Mm-hmm. Well, he's always eating, but he's actually never eating anything. It's always like the threat that he will put something into his mouth. Ew, this fat character. And you're just like, no, 90s, no. 90s, no. Yeah. Especially at the prom where he appears to just have a plate of shrimp, which would have been my ideal way to spend prom. And like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not doing that choreographed dance number. I'll be over here at the shrimp buffet. Absolutely. That would be a tough call between like eating and doing the dance. I would be like stressed about the decision. <laughs> my favorite thing about that dance number is that none of the regular students do it seemingly (laughs) except for Jodie Lynn O'Keefe who is front and center which makes me think she either had some kind of dance background or she committed to the part and learned it but everyone else is clearly a backup dancer who has been brought in yeah she also like she skips certain parts like it really very much feels like the Taylor Vaughn show Do you know Mm -hmm, what I mean? mm -hmm. Like, in it, she does a couple moves that, like, no one else does, sort of. Where, like, other people are dancing. And it seems, like, super tailored to what she's wearing, because there's a lot of, like, right arm motion, and she's got her right arm in her dress, you know? Mm -hmm. It's weird because, like, it's not like Taylor dances at any other part in the no. movie or is like framed as a dancer Hold in on. any way or uh, like Brenna have you forgotten that this is how she meets Brock is when she is on spring oh, break right. she is dancing in the pool but she's not good at it she falls no, down that's how she meets terrible. him <laughs> it looks like she's just standing there like she's not even moving and then she falls, <laughs> she falls. have we like uncovered a Taylor Vaughn character arc because What happens to her is that she's a dancer, which is how she meets Brock. But then Mm -hmm. she's, like, very upset that Brock won't stop dancing because she's mad that he does it at the party. And then when they break up, she's like, oh, my God, the dancing. 
But Mm -hmm. then in the finale, she's like, let's dance, baby. Yeah, I'm a dancer now. Maybe her character arc is coming to terms with dancing. (laughs) Yeah, that's her arc. It's about dance. It's always been about the dance. Yeah, she's all that too, where she meets up with Julia Stiles from Save the Last Dance so that they can just have like a white girl dance off. Mm -hmm. Brenna's like, I don't know what that means. No, I know what that means. I just, I'm imagining them catching up in the future with Sabrina Carpenter to be her bad dance moms. Oh, Brenna, (laughs) no. Why must you bring Sabrina Carpenter back on this podcast? (laughs) I was thinking about her last night because... This is the weird era of high school movies. And it's not like I saw none of them, right? Like, obviously, I saw Clueless. Mm -hmm. Like, it's this era of high school movies where all the teenage girls dress in these, like, skin-tight dresses and heels to go to, like, math class. Mm -hmm. As somebody who was in high school in the 90s, not my experience. But I, I like to imagine what the girls of, you know, She's All That and Clueless would think of, like, the girls of any Sabrina Carpenter vehicle where apparently all you just wear is like oversized peasant blouses and things. Just think it's interesting. Right. And also like belly bearing crop tops. Yes. Yes. It's 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 an odd time. It's always an odd time for teen fashion and film, I find. Yeah, I think it's because it's made by adults who are trying mm-hmm. to guess what the teen fad of the time will be. Like totally. this is an era before we ever had something like consultants. Like, you get the impression that somebody would talk to a friend's teenage daughter and be like, so I'm making this movie. What are the teens saying? What are they dressing like? Yeah. I also just, like, assumed that it was, like, oh, in, like, rich parts of L.A., everyone mm. just dresses like that for high school. It's mm. <laughs> yeah. to everywhere else where we were we were happily wearing our, like, oh, uh, like brown dickies and a band yeah. t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And our oh, flannel shirts we stole from our older brothers, you know? Like, yeah. the 90s were for fashion to me. Old stained converse that I changed the laces on to be multicolored. Like, that was the look, but... I do remember after we saw Clueless, one of my friends tried to like make high fashion happen at like our rural Ontario high school, middle school. And she she bought like this, I don't know, like a furry pink purse, like something Cher would carry around and like immediately dropped it in a snowbank. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, good for her, you know? Props for trying. trying. Good for her. It's more than I can say. So good for her. Um, okay, so obviously, we we could have done this as a proper full length episode, because this is technically an adaptation of Pygmalion. But a lot Ooh. of people see it as a more modern redo of My Fair Lady. But I wonder, what do you two think of the film? Yeah, like, how do we feel about this trope? This idea of people selecting a person, making them over so that they can become popular, and then realizing, oh, actually, that's a human being underneath all of this. Well, what I find fascinating about this interpretation of the story is how wildly superficial it is. I mean, Pygmalion is always a story about turning someone into something they're not, but both Pygmalion and My Fair Lady and some of the other adaptations that have existed are, it's as much about making the person fit in culturally to a different class of people or a different society. This film is in no way interested <laughs> in in helping Lainey to like, quote unquote, fit in with the cool kids. It's, it's exclusively about how she looks. And there's no sort of like, 
people come to see who she truly is or like Mm. she comes to realize that some of the popular kids are like okay and i kept thinking particularly with gabrielle union's character that there was going to be some of that but the film is really not interested in having that conversation at all which is why to me this is this is a very surface interpretation of that particular story yeah i agree because i think like the trope as a whole there's the like there's some merit in the trope as a whole because it kind of in a way is challenging this proposition that certain people are just of a certain Mm -hmm. class so Mm -hmm. it like has the opportunity to make challenges about you know if i just like knew how to carry a spoon correctly i could have a completely different life and Mm -hmm. it's completely (laughs) random and silly um and like there's an opportunity to challenge that but yeah like you said this is completely about looks and then it's like oh the popular guy learns that she's cool Mm -hmm. but it can't like instead of actually challenging anything it only makes Lainey cool for being like not like other girls you know like yes. Lainey's yeah. only yes. like likable trait is that she's like not impressed by yes. Samson's Dean Samson's money or something like that's her only cool trait <laughs> well like I mean obviously there's a lot more to her but like that's what makes her different I don't think there is actually though like watching yeah. this again Art. I and a dead mom <laughs> yeah. oh gosh always the dead mom yes of course <laughs> always I was actually shocked on this rewatch how little substance is given to Mm -hmm. the Lainey character. I think the film works because Rachel Lee Cook is really watchable. Like she is so likable that you want her to best all of these uppity brats who have money and treat her like garbage. But really, there's nothing for that character. This is 100% Zach's movie where he learns how to stand up to his father and how to Mm. like, it's really him being like, Oh, I need to come to grips with my privilege, but not in an interesting way. Just like, Oh, I'm rich. And I'm cool with that. Literally all about Zach learning from Lainey and like improving himself based on her which is something like Mm -hmm. I always oh my god even like recently a friend had a very not like other girls conversation with the guy and I'm like just like (laughs) no 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 like don't you're I don't know but yeah it's very much like Zach's like oh I can make decisions for myself and be free and create art like he learns from her Mm -hmm. yeah and she's not even like that free spirit like she does the art stuff because she needs cash (laughs) right and then he's like well this was a cool experience where i learned yeah i really learned from this one time that i did experimental art although i will (laughs) give credit i think that there's a lot of unintentional comedy to be mined from zach's interpretive hacky sack performance (laughs) at the club it has Mm -hmm. not aged particularly well Mm -hmm. but i do kind of want to give the film a little bit of credit for how they use that scene to provide insight into his conflict. Like I think Mm. a film nowadays, and I'm very interested to see what we do with he's all that the upcoming Netflix reinterpretation of this with the gender swap. I'm interested to see if it will dedicate this kind of space or attention to addressing the fact that just because Zach has privilege doesn't mean that he doesn't also have conflict and kind of internal angst about the pressures that he's feeling like it doesn't make me particularly sympathetic to him because like his life is pretty good but Mm -hmm. i want to give the film props for at least trying the scene's earnest yeah i think for me when a pygmalion story works really well it's because 
we relate to the person being transformed. And through our relationship with the person being transformed, we see some sort of upper class or privileged space being satirized, right? Or like taken mm-hmm. down a peg. Because it's not about birth, right? It's about having access to a certain, yeah, way to hold the spoon, as Lindsay said. Yeah. And so when you don't have that, and when you have this sort of vague attempt to address the kind of privilege that Zach has, and there's like that great moment when Lainey's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, you have to pick between Dartmouth and Yale. Like, oh, this is a bad baby. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> I really wanted more of that conversation because she has this outsider perspective on that world that no one else in the film has. And I think the film doesn't do enough with it. Oh, absolutely not. Because the film thinks that her character arc is going from being an isolationist who just kind of rebuffs general attention from anyone except her best friend to then realizing, oh, there can be good other people. And it's Mm -hmm. like, no, that's actually not the most interesting Mm -hmm. arc. The more interesting arc would have been her trying to change that system from within as Mm -hmm. they try to change her to become more like a lemming. Totally. Yeah, instead she just like plucks Zach out. Yeah. I think the the intention is that after this film, they would have become this new power couple, but mm-hmm. she would have still affected change, right? Like, that's why we see those other unnamed black rapper characters talking about how cool Lainey is. Clearly, she's, <laughs> she's, all she's instigating change. <laughs> yes. We love you, Lainey Boggs. Oh, gosh. She's so funny. Do we have any insight into the Anna Paquin character? Because every time I watch this, I can't help but think she's more interesting. Yeah, she's my favorite character in the whole movie. I want her movie. But also she's kind of what you're talking about, Lindsay. She's the like, oh, you're different from other girls. She, yeah. I love Anna Paquin's character. I I think it's funny because like she doesn't get a lot of screen time or a lot to do. But I mm-hmm. also feel like she got the right amount of screen time and yes. the right amount to do. Because any more of her, we would be like, who is she? We already have a cool girl in this movie. We don't need, like, you know what I mean? There's already the Mm -hmm. cool girl character. And Paquin shows up. And what I love about her is that she's still the, like, rich, hot girl. You know, she's still of that. But she makes the point of always being really kind to Lainey. Like, she's never mean to her. She's always like, I'm going to fix your face, but, like, you're pretty. And you all, like, she's really good and kind to her. Uh-huh. And then she gets her moment in the end. Like, she has yes. her, like, hey, you're cute. And it's, like, good for them, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. I think my favorite part of the film from, like, a feminist 2021 lens is when she's announcing the new but not improved, mm-hmm. just different Lainey Boggs. I like that part. I never caught that before, but I was like, that is such a significant distinction from saying new and improved because she's not better. She's just different. Just different. And she's not even all that different. She's just wearing a dress. Yeah, well, her hair And they short. hacked off the bad wig because holy mother, <laughs> I never realized bad how wig. bad that wig <laughs> is. <laughs> It's so bad. It's, yeah, but there's it's something bad. about watching it like on Netflix on an iPad that like the resolution is so high and you're so close to the screen that like oh man these <laughs> movies can get away with nothing. Yeah, <laughs> they're not fooling anybody. <laughs> the wig's bad. Oh, boy, I do oh, love boy. the delivery of when she's like, "I have an idea, but you would really need to trust me." Mm. <laughs> um, 
like those are not comforting words anybody if you said that to me i would say no because uh you have to tell me exactly what you're thinking sorry especially someone you literally just met by the way yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like unclear motivations are to make you pretty enough for a party um that you don't want to go to yeah can we talk about the dad a little bit yes kevin pollock yes great dads in this movie so i really like him and also like he's so checked out until he gives his like beautiful speech at the end Mm -hmm. of the movie right like he's so checked out that he doesn't even notice a soccer team is cleaning his house until they're almost done it's one of my favorite jokes in that movie (laughs) how he's just randomly answering jeopardy questions naturally incorrect and then random soccer boy who doesn't have a name gets the answer right and yeah you just see the light bulb go on it's so funny it's so good because it's supposed to be like he's so busy. He's a busy dad trying to keep the family afloat. Mm-hmm. Single dad too. Yeah, right? busy single dad keeping the family afloat. As against Tim Matheson, Freddie Prince mm-hmm. Jr.'s character's dad of mm-hmm. Animal House fame, mm-hmm. Otter, just still a babe. However, many years oh, later, yes, absolutely, still a babe now. That's it. I just wanted to say that Tim Matheson was hot. Okay, fair, fair, fair. That's all yeah. I have to contribute. <laughs> Garbage character, not really a part, but uh, yeah, yeah, Tim Matheson still rocking the the good looks. But like, it's cool. Like, I mean, not to skip to your bingo chart too quickly, but like, it's cool that you got the Animal House guy in a movie like this, and he does. I think he shows up in Van Wilder too, like Van Wilder comma too. Yes. Okay. I think it's like cool that he like shows up in all these like new teen movies because he's such an icon of. Old teen yes, movies. the old teen movies. It's like the generational baton. Although, notice how I said new teen movies to talk about she's all that. <laughs> 1999. <laughs> oh, this is how you know we're old. The 90s were 10 years ago. Yeah. I hope, Joe, I hopefully texted Joe last night to let him know that we are now further away from she's all that than we were from the breakfast club when we were actual teenagers. So I rude. I don't that like you said it that when we me. do these things. It's like, so rude. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. Oh, Brenna, you chose violence. I did. Sorry, everybody. Time passes. (laughs) Absolute rudeness. Gosh. Okay, well, uh, shall we play a quick round of YA Bingo since, Lindsay, you started the card off? Absolutely. Bingo! Not a good bingo. Okay, so, Lindsay, you picked stunt casting. Is there another square that you would like to add? Sure. I will pick... House porn. Yes. Like, you know, the party is absurd. It is humongous at Dean Mm -hmm. Sampson's sick house. Oh, is it Dean's house? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Even like Rachel Lee Cook's house is Mm -hmm. ginormous. (laughs) And I don't want to pass judgment because I don't know what kind of money pool people make. But I'm just like, that house is enormous in California. Is that all coming from pool money? Well, I think like, I don't know. I mean, there's, I think it's just like a movie thing. How like the people always just seem to have more money than you think. It's definitely supposed to portray like a huge wealth divide between them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> between her and everyone else. Yeah, the richy rich characters. Yeah. But yeah, Dean Sampson's house. His so cool basement bathroom. <laughs> uh, Brenna, do you have any? Okay, I have to go with Forever Young because... Oh my gosh. 
Freddie Prince Jr. was already 23 when this movie was made, and Matthew mm-hmm. Lillard was already 29 when this movie was made. Okay, but he's supposed to be older. <laughs> he's supposed to be older. I don't think he's supposed to be 30. Oh my god, I feel so attacked because I just remember thinking like these were like hot adults, and now they're <laughs> so, so young. I'm like, oh god, Matthew Lillard, significantly younger. But again, whatever, that's what Tim Matheson's for. It's like, hey, you can still watch this movie in lust. <laughs> exactly yes um i think there's a borrowed time vibe because we all know that this is well first of all we have the prom as like the fixed endpoint, but also mm-hmm. we know there's only so long that we're gonna go before the bet gets revealed right and that prom that's a holiday climax right joe i swear to god <laughs> i'm putting it on there you're gonna have to change the name of the square the prom <laughs> is not a holiday See, this is where I'm like, no, you clearly have not watched enough of these YA movies because the prom (laughs) is a fixture of teen calendars. Then put prom on the freaking board. Oh, stop it. (laughs) I'm going to go with musicality for the random dance number. Love it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with queer secondary character for Jesse, even though that's Mm -hmm. not confirmed, but it's also obviously true. It's so coded. Yeah. Yeah. I also Mm -hmm. thought... I mean, him and Mackenzie end up getting together, but I always kind of read them both as a little queer. Yes, oh. especially, I mean, I mean, I know her line is supposed to be a punchline, but when she says, I go to school with 500 chicks, I'm just mm-hmm. like, that is vaguely lesbian to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, I think that might be everything I have. Okay. I would like to say coincidental classes, but these people literally never go to a single class the yeah. entire time we're in the movie. We see they them in the cafeteria. That's it. That's true. <laughs> well, the art class, but yeah, they're not. There's no coincidental bit. Oh, but that is true. Which ooh, the uncomfortable kind of magical Negro art teacher. Yes. Oh, I've seen you grow so much. You really opened up. What did you do? Oh, you started dating some rich white boy. Got it. <laughs> is it coincidental that the mean? I don't know if this counts. I don't know the rules of your game. But is it coincidental that what's her name? As the mean art girl, my goodness, everyone's favorite. Yes, Clea Duvall um, is in her class, and it's like kind of a big deal because of that scene at the party. I don't know if that counts. It's such a weird character where, again, you almost feel like, did they fly Clea Duvall in for maybe a day so that she could shoot these two scenes and then never interact with any other character except Rachel Lee Cook? (laughs) Probably. It's cool because it shows that Rachel Lee Cook's character is different from everybody else. It's not just like the mm-hmm. popular kids and the losers. It's like the art kids are also rich and privileged. And like, yes. do you know what I mean? Like it kind of is like, she is different from everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is so weird because this is Buffy High. Like this is the same high school that they shot Buffy in, which is why oh. Sarah Michelle Gellar briefly appears in the cafeteria scene. I was going to ask yes. you about Sarah Michelle Gellar. I was like, it I think is. I recognized a person. <laughs> And don't forget that she and Freddie Prince Jr. were already dating because they had done I Know What You Did last summer by this point. Mm -hmm. P.S. They're still married and adorable together. Obsessed. Also, like, oh, God. Like, if we want to talk about our, like, horror fandoms, like, it is so cool that this is, like, the same cast as, like, Mm -hmm. the teen horror movie people. I think that's a cool thing. Oh, I know. Yeah. You can do Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon from this film to so many teen horror films of the time. Yes. Yes. (laughs) 
Uh, I'm going to add two friendship cards. So we have a hollow friendship or romance for, I mean, pick the romance because basically they're all hollow. Yeah. (laughs) But I will say that as much as I don't like the way Rachel Lee Cook talks to Jesse about his weight, I do think the way he reacts to her is indicative of good friendship. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's a good friend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One way friendship. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. And then could we kind of say it's a rags to riches story? Because by the end of it, she has accrued a lot of social popularity. Yeah. Yeah. It's a minor stretch. Fancy rags to fancy your riches. Yeah, Yeah. basically. (laughs) Can we give it a Netflix connection since the reason we're watching this is because of the He's All That reboot that's coming? Absolutely. I'll allow for that. Is... Either Mackenzie or Lainey, a manic pixie dream girl? Oh, this is kind of a $64,000 question, Mm. isn't it? Because she is in some ways so perfect. Mm -hmm. I don't even know which one I'm talking about. Maybe both of them? Maybe both. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Like, maybe not in, like, the truest sense. Like, you could jam it if you wanted to. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like we would need to see more growth in zach's character for that to be so because i know that he does like Mm. learn to stand up to his dad or whatever but yeah i don't know like the manic pixie dream person is usually like a life-changing character for the mediocre Mm -hmm. white guy right right yeah in some ways i do kind of agree with Linz that that is who laney boggs is for zach because if not he would have just gone to play soccer at i can't even remember what school his dad wants him to go to dartmouth Uh, dartmouth How could I forget? So important. <laughs> Choose Welcome my to Dartmouth. <laughs> my school, Zach. Choose my future. Oh gosh. Okay. Sadly, this is not a YA bingo, but a pretty good showing considering we're only talking about a movie and not mm-hmm. an adaptation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I think that about does it for She's All That. So, Lindsay, if people want to get a hold of you, how would they connect with you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SmashTravis. So it's S-M-A-S-H-T-R-A-V-E-S, and that's the best way to keep up with me. Nice, excellent. And if you want to get a hold of us, maybe you want to talk to Joe about how proms aren't holidays. I don't know. It's just a suggestion of something you might want to message him. (laughs) You can find us at HKHSPod or on the hashtag HKHSPod on the Twitters. Joe, where do they find you, you know, to have that frank discussion about proms? Or you could just talk to me about he's all that. Oh, yeah. You can reach me at be still my remote and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray. That's Gray with an A. And next week, Joe, mm-hmm. it's our 150th episode extravaganza. It is, yes. I seriously can't believe we've made 150 episodes of the show. Uh, yeah, it's a little bonkers, isn't it? Don't bonkers. So we're not going to be doing a regular episode. It's going to be a little bit briefer. And we're not going to be covering a movie or a book. So we're going to do some outtakes. We might read a few emails. We'll see kind of what we've got on deck. But uh, yeah, you know, tune in next week. And then after that, we're going to be taking a couple of weeks breather. And we will be back in mid-September with more new episodes. Yeah, we are taking three weeks off, only three weeks. And folks, I hasten to remind you, we have not taken any time off this entire pandemic. So these three weeks, just a little bit of time to to reset and reboot. And then we'll be back with some really good content 
I'm super excited about like everything in the first half. Yeah, I was gonna say you're very excited until we get to October when I make you watch a few spooky things. <laughs> yeah, I don't love October. October's not my favorite. <laughs> oh, shush you. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you, Lindsay, for joining us to talk about She's All That. It was good to have your energy and your enthusiasm. I'm still not 100% sure about this movie, so it was good to have you on board. Thank you so much. Like, next time we'll just all, we'll blow through the choreography of the Matthew Lillard dance really quick, and I think <laughs> it will change your perspective. Oh my gosh, yes. If anybody wants to recreate the dance and tag us in a video, love that. <laughs> I feel like you're challenging me. I'm like, it's not a no. Uh, okay, I'm going to be expecting that now. <laughs> so keep an eye on our socials for that, everybody. And until <laughs> next time, I will see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. <laughs> <laughs>